So Julie, I often tell people that there are four opportunities to overcoming an objection, the most powerful of which is before the objection happens. Have you ever heard of this concept? You're always teaching me new stuff, Torin. No, I haven't. Tell me more. So the acronym for me, and it's something that I used back in the 90s when I had my own sales team, the acronym is WNLB. Well, the B stands for before. And before any of you start to wonder which online system is best for payroll, let me share a few facts. Gusto is actually simple and easy, surprisingly easy and very fast. 90% of customers say switching to Gusto was easy. 85% of customers say running payroll is easier now than their previous provider. And three out of four customers take 10 minutes or less to run payroll with Gusto. I think that's easy. You can use our link, gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K for three complimentary months. Again, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. Hey, Torin. Man, bring out them plastic bins you got up in the storage room. Seasons changing. It's time for us to get real slick. Like, I absolutely love fall. It, it might be. Now, I know this might come as a surprise, but. Even though I was born in Florida, it might be my favorite time of the year. What's your favorite time of the year? Summer is definitely my favorite time of the year, but the first part of fall when we get to drink pumpkin spice lattes and we get to put out our Halloween decorations and all, I like that. I love, love, love that. Um, Once we get past Halloween, I'm like, I'm out. Oh, wait a minute. So you all put up, like you carve pumpkins and put, candles and all of that in there oh god yeah i'm totally a dorky halloween nerd i love it i have a little halloween village and oh total dork and i will just carve a pumpkin by myself because my children don't want to (laughs) are you so wait a minute do you like go online and get like um i I don't want to call it like cutouts like yes you do all of that oh yeah i have no skills creatively at all so okay. someone has to be my guide okay and then i bake the pumpkin seeds and do the whole thing it's like my fave okay you do so uh there is a difference between pumpkin pie sweet potato pie you know that right yeah oh god yeah okay got it and do you make pumpkin pie pumpkin pie but not sweet potato pie okay wait a minute so now we might have a bit of an issue this might be <laughs> the first time on crazy and the king that we have an issue and I need you to tread lightly when you answer this question. I'm I'm okay. dead, I'm dead ass serious. I need you to tread lightly. Which one is better, pumpkin pie or sweet potato pie? Pumpkin pie. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Can you listen, you all? Do you hear this? I need you to make sure you get on Twitter right now. And you need to send Julie all types of memes, gifts. <laughs> I need people to really wait. Please weigh in. Tag us with Crazy and the King. You have to send us an answer to the question. I think we should put a poll up, Julie. 
Like you just really messed up the whole scenario. <laughs> Which one is better? Pump, pumpkin pop. You know what? Forget it. When we drop the episode, I am putting a poll below mine. You can do whatever you want on yours. I'm putting a poll below mine and I'm asking people which one is better, pumpkin pie, sweet potato pie. No, we got to ride. We partners. When you post it, you have to put the poll up as well. I want to see what okay, your friend is saying. And I want you to see what my friend try. And we share a lot of people in the, in the digital tribe. But I want to see, I want to see folks weigh in. I cannot believe you just dropped that blasphemy <laughs> in the beginning of this episode. Completely well, disrespectful. Out of order. I, that, that's, that's how I roll. Just <sighs> disrespectful and out of order. Now, <sighs> now we know. Okay, well, anyway, <laughs> I do think that, you know, listen, having the pumpkin, the cutouts, the, uh, you know, the candle inside of such, it's on the porch, the breeze, opening the windows, acorns. Like, I think all of that stuff is like absolutely incredible. I really, really do love fall. And, you know, here in the DC area, we, um, you know, if you get on certain stretches of the freeway, the expressway, you know, if you get on certain stretches, then you're driving through areas that are heavily lined with foliage and trees. And just to see all of that change, it just reminds me you know, it just it, 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 it puts me in a place of, of of growth, even though I'm in many ways getting older and, you know, I have less time, if you will, in this experience. But it still just keeps reminding me that I'm here and I'm fighting through the experience and I absolutely love it. You know, last week we talked about racecraft. Um, that was an interesting topic. Um, and, and I really appreciate you embracing it. And both of us exchanging, you know, our lack of understanding. One, we were not aware of the the term, and then our our revelation around, yo, we both been guilty. Like we were guilty of of doing. I know I've been guilty, mad guilty, of of uh, you know, doing racecraft, and and it yeah. kind of pushed us into an honest conversation. And I appreciate you for for taking us there. Yeah, well, and I got a lot of good feedback from the pod last week of of just sort of the openness that we're willing to have um, on air and, and, you know, the trust that we have in each other and, and the honesty of that conversation. So, you know, I feel like that was kind of a moment for, for our podcast. And just while we're talking about it, Tristan, my oldest or my youngest son, messaged me earlier this week and said, hey, that's been two years ago since we were in Chicago together, yeah. which is also the day that you and I met. Um, that's so right. That's how right. things have grown in two years. That's right. Two years, man. Shout out to two years. There is a special, you know, person in Chicago and he knows who he is. I'm not going to mention his name. Uh, but on that particular day, Julie, you know, he was supposed to be in the room. Um, and part of, yep. part of my excitement about being in Chicago, in addition to being there with Disrupt HR, uh, for Chicago, uh, shout out to the entire Disrupt family. Um, you know, I had already talked to Chad probably like three, four, maybe four weeks before that. And so I knew that I was going to have a chance to meet you. Didn't know that Tristan would be with you. And he was a pleasure. He was all shy. And I was like, come on, man, loosen up. Let's, let's do the thing. We're going to have a good time. And 
we're going to support your mom and and all of that. And you're right. Look at where we are right now. So um, a lot can happen if you just stay dedicated and you stay true. I think that's the bigger piece. Stay dedicated, but most importantly, stay true. Now, some of you got some funky attitude. Some of y'all need a bit of an adjustment. I, I can I can assure you, you need an adjustment. But if you really are an open and genuine individual and folk really value being around you, it's a pleasure being around you, great energy, great, great kinetic energy. Um, yo, this is what can happen. And we're building something beautiful over here. But this is yes. not the only thing that's changed. Um, you got something else that's changed. Yeah, so I, I think a week or so, maybe two weeks ago on the pod, you mentioned that DNI titles are up more than 100% on LinkedIn. And we just did like a real quick mention of that. Um, and HR Dive put the story back out this week on their newsletter. And something that just caught my eye as a, a quick mention to what we've been talking about over the pandemic is that they had started to see DNI efforts pull back at the beginning of the pandemic, but an enormous upward spike in those DNI roles offered beginning in, no surprise, late May and early June, post murder of George Floyd and the spark of national protests. So, you know, we, you and I had talked like, hey, is spending going to stop? Are we really going to put our money where our mouth is? You know, and and we were both kind of holding our breaths in in March and April. And George Floyd has had a significant impact on DNI roles on and and growing, yeah. at least according to LinkedIn. Yeah, and that's good. The titles are going up. You know, a number of organizations are beginning to release their diversity reports. PwC released their first, their first external facing diversity wow. report this uh week. And that's interesting. Not that because I've often said that that they don't have any obligation to share those numbers with me per se. There is a piece that says if you have more than a certain number of employees, you have to report that information to the federal government. But but they don't have to really compile that and share with uh, people like myself. But I thought it was interesting that PwC finally released a report, giving that their CEO Tim Ryan has been so out front about DNI efforts with CEO action and other initiatives ever since 2016, maybe a bit before, but based on what I know of him through conversation and through readings, um, you know, 2016 really was a pivotal year for him. So with him being at the helm and yet the organization still struggled to find uh, the format, I guess, the time uh to 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 share those numbers uh publicly. So I'm glad to see that DNI titles are going up. I'm glad to see that more organizations are being transparent around their efforts uh regarding diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. There was a piece inside of the HR Dive article uh and real quick quote it says companies whose leaders welcome diverse talents and include multiple perspectives are likely to emerge from this crisis stronger? Like who's surprised about that? Stronger together. Like those yep. are the types of phrases that we know, stronger together. So so why does that stop as it relates to bringing people in that are different than who we are? Bringing people in that are uh, unusual, uh, unfamiliar to who we are, unsuspecting to who we are. Nothing should stop us 
from building an extremely strong team. So I'm glad that you made a quick mention of the HR Dive piece. Uh, we'll include the show note. I, I mean, we'll include the link in the show note, right? Sure. Cool. Sure. Good stuff. So uh, I know how you feel about Facebook. We ain't going to spend a whole lot of time there. If you could see me right now, we were on video. Like I had my hand up in the air pointing at the camera on the uh, uh, computer. Like just, just relax and sit with me for a second. But okay. I don't know if you knew, but Facebook is actually investing $5 million in programs for newsrooms of color and entrepreneurial journalism. Uh, and this was a story that they shared over on Axios. And the question is to always ask why. It, it's not a bad thing. You know, asking why is not a bad thing. It's really important to understand, well, why is Facebook investing $5 million dollars in programs for newsrooms of color and entrepreneurial journalism. So, so Julie, just ask me why. <laughs> hey, Torin, could you tell me why? Oh, you sounded so very much. Try that again. You sounded so proper. It's my, my big girl voice. Hey, Torin, could you tell me why? Absolutely, Julie. I think I can tell you why. The investment comes amid tensions between Facebook and civil rights leaders over the prevalence of hate speech and misinformation on its platform. In oh, wait, 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 wait. Don't do the dorky voice. <laughs> okay. I'm fine. Yeah, like so the civil voice. rights leaders have been taking uh, Facebook to the woodshed. Like they've been giving Facebook the business over the last couple of months. And you might remember back in July, there was the hashtag moving around, stop hate for profit. Uh, and so Really, one of the, uh, I guess, um, what's the word? Uh, outgrowths? That's not the right word. That's not the one that I'm looking for. Um, but one of the results of Facebook and their leadership being challenged by civil rights leaders, being challenged by uh, members of, uh, of the government, being challenged by people like us that care, just regular folk. You know, one of the outgrowths of that of that challenge is that Facebook feels like they got to do a better job of allowing different stories to be told. And, and we cannot ignore, you know, we can't ignore the fact that that's extremely important. Here's a sidebar. I'm driving earlier in the week and you got to forgive me because I really don't have all of the numbers in place. Like one plus one is going to end up equaling three in this example that I'm about to give you. But I think you'll know where I'm going. I'm listening to someone on the radio, and he talked about a song titled Dixie. And the song was embedded in a cartoon that we all grew up on. And I can't remember if it was, you know, Flintstones, or I don't know which cartoon it was. That's why I'm saying one plus one equals three, because, you know, certainly the way that he told the story, well, Dixie is not a positive song, yet it was something that we were inculcated by because we were all watching it. And so I just think that this is a good move. Facebook has their issues. They certainly got a lot of work to do. Um, I, 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 I couldn't begin to, to really adequately talk about the type of work that needs to be done. I'm not running a multi, 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 multi billion dollar organization, but I, I appreciate them putting the money towards helping others tell better stories. Now, my only gripe, Julie, and certainly you can jump in, is like $5 million? Like that? Like, <laughs> that's our money. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, 
the cartoon was um, Bugs Bunny. It oh, was you got it. Now one fog, plus one. Foghorn, Foghorn Leghorn. Thank you. Um, That's exactly what it was. I got you. Because um, that was that was my Dixie wasn't my jam, but Bugs Bunny was my jam. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, right? You you took the words right out of my mouth. Five million dollars, like Mark Zuckerberg, literally took that out of his couch cushions yesterday and there was five million more this morning um so you know everything with facebook is so reactionary and and bullshit it's just pr right five million dollars is nothing to those guys if they really gave a shit about newsrooms of color and entrepreneurial journalism they would have a better mix of diversity on the news platforms that they're promoting within Facebook, which are the Daily Caller, Tucker Carlson, Fox News, that are very predominantly heterogeneous, white, white like right, oh, big C conservative, right leaning, yeah, yeah, yes, very, very right leaning, um. And so they always do this like little like here's a nickel buddy um, story whenever they get into trouble and there's a little bit of pressure. They think that they can just throw the rest of us a nickel and and we can go about our business when Facebook is is not doing the right thing. They're not taking any action to actively or stop hate speech and misinformation. Now they're doing a couple little minor tweaks here and there that are supposed to make you feel like they're doing something. But really, they're shrugging their shoulders and saying, we can't fix this problem, so we'll throw a little money at it. We'll stop campaign advertising the week before, even though the majority of misinformation is not shared through the campaigns. It's just their continued pattern of, I really don't care about what we're doing to this democracy, we don't really care what we're doing to um, instigate more dissension and and disengagement between groups of people. And, you know, it's just, it's bullshit. And I don't know if you know this, but I saw last night that uh, a lot of prominent celebrities like Kim Kardashian West and, and some other fairly big names are shutting down their Twitter and their Facebook again this week in an effort to stop hate for profit, right? It's basically that like ver- next version. So we're not advertising, but we're stopping down, da- we're shutting down the accounts that provide so much click revenue for the for Facebook and for Instagram, which is owned by Facebook. So this comes out on the heels of um, what will have been to death and gets today Wednesday or Thursday's um, boycott by a lot of really big names. Yeah, I saw that. You know, the names are, my understanding, they're going to take 24 hours to uh, be absent from the platform. And you're absolutely right. You know, again, when it, and, and see, here's what, when I listen to the way that you say it, and certainly the way that I read it, you know, I, I ask myself, you know, when we, First of all, we know they have content moderation teams that are addressing ta- uh, content on the platform. So we know that they are using a combination of humans and technology. 
And so then I, I always I struggle with this whole aspect around AI and machine learning and you know, these systems are these platforms, these systems, they're supposed to become better, they're supposed to become smarter, uh, they're supposed to become uh, more uh, rapid around erasing, eradicating uh, what we consider to be a lie, yet the lies stay up because the lie is a part of free speech. And so, you know, I, I just ask myself, I always ask myself, you know, why is it that you uh, as an organization are still finding it hard to populate to populate your engineering, your dev teams, your your all of your teams, all layers of your organization with dissenting with different voices, with different talent. Because if in fact you are using a combination of human, human intelligence, technical prowess, if you're using a combination of the three, then why are we still struggling to include that human aspect? I, I just don't that that's the part that really frustrates me because you have, as Facebook, all of the technology that any organization can have. Like, I'm sure they are years ahead of a number of organizations in terms of R&D, in terms of what they may already be using and we have no idea about. And yet you're still struggling. You're still getting, you know, eggs thrown at the organization because of a lack of what is not happening. So I just really, really struggle. Yeah, I agree. I, I appreciate the $5 million for the individuals and the organizations, the, 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 the departments, business units that will benefit from the FI. I like it. I want to see people be able to tell better stories, different stories. But five is like, like you said, couch money. And Facebook really can do better. Like they absolutely need to do better. You know what I'm saying? Well, and I hear you said something that that sparked for me. Facebook, the algorithm is not designed to think, or it, the algorithm has a goal, right? And that's how machine learning works. It says, how do I get Julie to spend more time on Facebook? What are the prompts? What are the, the pokes? What are the activities that help Julie spend more time on Facebook? So our advertisers get the information that they want from us, and they also get the click-through that they want from us. And so when we allow companies like Facebook, we talk about this for talent acquisition all the time, to use machine learning, AI, the end goal is not greater humanity. The end goal is not not fucking up our democracy. The end goal is how do I get Julie, which is the commodity to Facebook, it's the product, to perform in the way that she's supposed to in order for me, Facebook, to maximize profit. And until someone decides that there needs to be a human component to these social media platforms, I am really starting to appreciate what, what Jack is doing over at Twitter. But until that happens, this system is just going to keep continue to rotate. So I get more divided. I live in a different kind of news stream than the rest of my family, that kind of thing, um, because the AI doesn't care and, and Facebook isn't going to teach it to care until it costs them money. Well, I mean, absolutely. Uh, well, it is costing them money, just not enough. You're right. Not enough. Um, yep. Got to cost them more. And speaking of numbers and money, uh, urban golf courses take up about 120 acres of land 
uh, on average. And, and people out there listening, you might be like, well, why in the world did he just like hit that hard right from Facebook to golf courses? Well, there's a reason. Uh, because that's about 2,300 acres of land occupied by courses within the city of L.A. And so as I share these numbers with you all, I just want you to think about where it is that you live, whether you are in an Alpha Bravo or Charlie City, if you are in an urban environment and not so much so a country environment, but if you are in a place where golf courses are a part of your landscape, think about something for a moment. So in LA, there's about 68 golf courses within 20 miles of uh, LA's center. Um, and that brings the area, the entire entire area to about 87 or more golf courses with 10,000 acres of space dedicated to the game. And so there's a designer at an architect firm. His name is Daniel Dunham. Um, and his theme is real, real simple. Golf courses could be an ideal spot to build affordable housing. I want you to think about that for a moment because. I know I drive by to get to my home, at least depending on the route that I take, I drive by at least one golf course. Uh, and, and if I take a different route, I can drive by two. And I got to tell you, in the decade that I've been driving this route, give or take, I don't think I've ever, you know, and I can't see all of the holes on the golf course. But I don't think I've ever at any given time seen more than two people standing on this golf course. And I can drive by for weeks and not see anyone, you know, from the stoplights that I'm at standing on the golf course. So the question becomes, you know, when we think about affordable housing, when we think about conversations uh, dealing with income inequality, uh, universal basic income, the fact that so many people right now are working in a gig capacity, people are trying to determine, well, how is it that I'm going to afford anything in this particular places like San Francisco, where you are being priced out of the market? It's what can we do inside of our cities to, to be different, to make sure that we give housing to folks? Like Julie said a moment ago, the algorithm is not trained to take humanity into consideration. Well, in this story, I, I want you, I want you thinking about how is it that we can take humanity into consideration and how inside of our organizations can we explore doing inclusion a little bit differently? That's all. It's really about how do we repurpose where we are with what we have? and do a better job around diversity and inclusion. You know, it's funny, Torn, is we didn't even talk about this in prep, is that the city that I live in, Columbus, um, we're actually having this exact conversation as we have a lack of affordable housing in the city because we have Cummins Global Engine Company is is here in, in small town Columbus. And it, it's so bad that when interns come in, they have to stay with Cummins employees because they can't get a rental. They can't find them. They're not available. And we have three golf courses in the city, two of which do okay and one really doesn't. And we don't need it, right? We we physically do not need it. But the 
the city council, you know, the whoever, you know, kind of the uppity ups of, of the city absolutely demand that we keep three golf courses because if not, people may not want to live here if yeah. we only have two. It, like, come on, guys. It, like, it, there's it, a better way to do this. Absolutely. You know, and, and so in L.A., and I'm sure the same would be true in other cities to include mine, you know, a lot of people frown on this idea of affordable housing because they feel like it's going to increase negative traffic. It's going to perhaps bring in undesirables, quote, uh, more crime, more whatever. And, and, and the fact of the matter is a lot of these golf courses, especially the ones that are in urban centers that are in highly populated cities, they're close to retail outlets, they're close to transportation hubs. You know, they're close in, in proximity to uh, office buildings, if you will. And so it perhaps cuts down on the inability for a person to get from home to work, you know, in, in a lot of these instances. And so I just think that, you know, we should really be reevaluating. There shouldn't be too much left off the table of reevaluation. Yeah. And now's the time to do it, right? We know that urban centers are probably not going to go back to what they were before. Nope. And there's going to be a lot of not just golf courses, but empty corporate headquarters and those kind of things as as companies downsize and see the benefit of long term um, commuter or work from home, flexible relationships with their employees and employees demand that. So there is no reason that we shouldn't be looking at this large scale. You got it. So I'm I'm curious, Julie, are you familiar with the Government Accountability Project? Uh, the GAO? Yes. Yes, I am. No, no. GAP, Government Accountability Project. Oh, project. No, no. Got it. Okay. So the Government Accountability Project, you can find them at whistleblower.org. They are the international leader in whistleblower advocacy. The international leader in whistleblower advocacy. On their homepage, it says that we have the most effective methodology of using whistleblower revelations to have a meaningful impact on civil society and governance and know how to win whistleblower cases in the court of law and public opinion. Well, I use that as a preface to the name of one Miss Dawn Wooten. Don Wooten, W-O-O-T-E-N, is a licensed practical nurse employed by ICDC. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I was absolutely incensed earlier in the week when I heard of the story around detention camps performing hysterectomies on immigrants. And I'm sure you've heard the story and you were equally as incensed. Well, I bring up Government Accountability Project because they are representing the um, the nurse, Miss Dawn Wooten, who is the whistleblower in this case. What are your thoughts? Breathing. Um, so I saw this on on. Monday kind of waited a couple of days for it to come off a less mainstream site and and move into confirmation. And just to 
set a little background in case our listeners have not read it. So um, women come over from Latin America, South America, cross the border illegally, are detained for an illegal border crossing, and now are in ICE detention for the foreseeable future. And as they are being provided gynecological services, a doctor in particular was at an abnormal rate performing full hysterectomies on women of of childbearing age. Uh, Let me just jump in real quick. When you say abnormal rate, synonymous with the nickname of uterus collector. Go ahead. Yes. So the uterus collector. And and telling the women that they have cancer, that they have a stage four cancer, that hysterectomy is their only option. In some cases, not telling them that they're giving them a hysterectomy at all. And he is continuing to do this without reprieve. And Important Thank to God. note that he important to note, Julie, real quick, that he's yep. not a doctor of the federal government. He's an outside entity. Yes. So a federal contractor who has been hired to staff these ICE detention centers and the hospitals that the medical centers that accompany them. So people that you and I help attract and retain all the time are using federal funds to sterilize young immigrant women in Georgia. And each of you should be equally as incensed. And here's some of the reasons why I think that you should be incensed. You can find the story on your own. You can go to BBC, you can go to CNN, you can go um, to a site that I was on, lawandcrime.com. Pick your pleasure. But the reason why I personally believe you should be intense, then Julie may have a different position. But I believe that that this should be something you are picking up the phone. You are communicating with your legislative body. Because when we allow or when we sit back in silence and we watch something like this happen to them, It's only a matter of time before they find it fitting to begin exploring uh, legislation to have it apply to us. I think about, you know, poor people that may not have representation in some of the inner cities, how easy it might be to pass some degree of legislation that would impact them. I think about Uh, individuals that might be in entry-level roles where organizations might be inside of states with particular bodies of leadership and they begin to pass, you know, legislation that that adversely impacts lower-level employees so that we can get them more on the job and less off the job, more robotic in terms of their contribution more automated, more, um, less human. Let me say that. 
And and so as I listened, I'm sorry, as I, well, yes, as I listened and read, listened to stories, read stories, I just couldn't help but become infuriated because, you know, Julian, the, 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 I guess in the, the most literal of sense, this is an employee. And so when I think about inclusion and people being silent in the workplace, I just think about this as being an employee. I don't categorize her as a nurse. I don't categorize any of them other than they are employees. And this story has one whistleblower, not a hundred, not a thousand, just one. So Julie, the question becomes how many people in there, employees, are sitting in silence why these egregious uh, aggressions are, are are taking place? Yeah, I mean, you're a hundred percent right. This is a story of an employee who is. I mean, let let's be a hundred percent clear, because this is not the first time this has happened in America, and and I fear it won't be the last. This is. This is a different form of genocide. If we are okay with any any human, any American, any employee proactively and without consent removing a woman of color's uterus that prevents her from creating future generations, that is a system of genocide. And this doctor is not being held to account. And it didn't happen after this whistleblower didn't come out after the first woman, right? We've got multiple women. I, I think they've at least five, and I think there are probably more than that. And there are a dozen other nurses, other doctors, guards, um, humans that are sitting and allowing this to happen. And this is how we lose. This is how we lose. When we allow these indiscretions to start piling up, that we get to the place that we're not tearing down that ICE facility right now based on the information we have already, like we've lost our way. This is, it, it's unconscionable to me at every, every level. And I hope people end up in jail but I hope that we get some more people with a fucking spine that'll come out and say that this is not right. It, it's not, I, I, I don't need a paycheck that bad. And if you do, we can get you some help. There are people that help with that kind of stuff when this kind of thing happens. It's just incredible to me. Yeah, it's, it's really, really unfortunate. Um, I just encourage you all read the links that uh, Julie and I put in the show links, uh, you know, on the law and crime. Story, they actually put a link to the full complaint. Um, I'm sure some of the other stories may may definitely include that. But this is not something that we should be sitting around um, accepting. This is not something that we should be silent about. We should not experience the George Floyd type moments um, as a result of our being silent. You know, what I'm suggesting is that when these injustices happen, we should be in a posture of preparedness to speak up and to speak out. And so inside of your workplace, while it may not be hysterectomies being performed, 
You cannot afford to be silent because you are allowing leadership and others to offend um, other people inside of the workplace. This is the reason why Me Too mushroomed the way that it did, because too many people were silent. We're just simply encouraging you, use this story to not be silent. Share it with others in your digital tribe. Take a moment to reach out to your congressional leadership. Send them a message and make sure that you are present and vigilant in your workplace because it's just unacceptable. We don't need to see this type of, this is not what American exceptionalism is all about. This to me is not the definition of that. This is absolutely the opposite of that. This is the opposite of that. There's other ways for us to handle whether or not we want people coming into our organizations, coming into our country. This is not the way for us to do it. Last week, I mentioned the guide to allyship. It's an open source guide. Uh, you can find it over at guide to allyship.com. Again, guide to allyship.com. My name drop for the week is Tiffany. Um, I'll call I'll say Tiffany Say because I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Tiffany H S I A. Tiffany Say from Smart Recruiters. They allowed me to um, host three AMA conversations with different panels. I did one on Wednesday, two more on Thursday. Uh, we didn't record them, so if you didn't, you know, sign up for them, you are short. But I got to tell you, man, the conversations were absolutely incredible. So shout out to Tiffany. Uh, and Jerome over at Smart Recruiters for Trusting My Voice. You got a name drop? Uh, I do. Um, the ladies over at Ally, I'm sorry, the ladies over at Attract, Retain, and Advance Women in Technology, the ARA mentors are doing an amazing five-part series on structural racism and creating real change. Um, I was able and honored to be on an amazing panel this week uh, to talk about the intersections of, of disability and um, race and gender and had some amazing fellow um, panelists that I learned a lot from and really appreciated their transparency. So uh, kudos to you ladies for putting on an incredible program. I will definitely be attending the next three in the series. Beautiful thing. So in the words of B.B. King, the beautiful thing about learning is nobody can take it away from you. I want to leave you with a curious notion to read the reports around immigrants at the border being um, subjected to these hysterectomies. Check out all of the stories that Julie and I talked about uh, and make sure that you are operating and moving inside of your workplace with your approval, consent, and awareness that nothing is happening without your approval, consent, and awareness. We close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe and to find your voice, find it inside of the workplace, be a better human. Have a fantastic, awesome rest of the week. Catch me on Sirius XM channel 126 this Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. For now, Julie and I are ghosts. See ya.
So, Torin, we have a sponsor. Mad cool. That says that they appreciate the work that we are doing through this podcast vehicle. You know what else is cool is what other people are saying about Gusto. So give me examples. I mean, it's easy for you to say people are talking about it, but give me some examples. So Tom S. said, Gusto has allowed my small company to offer big time benefits without an HR department. Shout out to Tom, but do you have more? Yes, I have another one from Sation who says Gusto is effortless, which is how I like HR. Out of sight, out of mind, yet doing what it's supposed to do. So what you are saying is Gusto is more than a payroll provider. Absolutely. And Gusto integrates with all of your favorite tools that, again, makes life easier. Tools like QuickBooks, Google, and and many others. So if you visit gusto.com slash C-A-T-K, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K, you'll get three complimentary months from Crazy and the King. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.